The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and said to his disciples, and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. So we get to a very controversial gospel this weekend. This is the gospel where if you're not a Catholic, people say, you Catholics are wrong. Right? You're wrong for calling your priest father. You're wrong for this. You're not listening to what scripture says. And so when I hear this particular gospel, I get really defensive and I'm going to try to not be defensive. I got really intense last night. It might happen again, but that's just because I'm passionate. So, what, what we should look at, and this is for all Scripture, so this is a good opportunity for us. When we look at Scripture, how do we understand it? How do we interpret it? How does it read for us? Because if you realize, I've never really thought about this, but it doesn't say in Scripture Jesus said to his disciples sarcastically, and then whatever. It doesn't say, uh, Paul wrote with great uh, anger, whatever. It doesn't say, Moses said out of fear. No. It, there's not that contextual understanding there. Like, it'd be super helpful if it said, Jesus said with hyperbole, you know, do this and don't do that. It'd be like, oh yeah, it makes total sense, I get it. But it's not there. So we have to look at context in a way. What we do understand is this. Fatherhood is a real thing. You know, I'm looking out there, I see lots of fathers. Motherhood is a real thing. I look out, I see lots of mothers. Positions and titles of power are a real thing. I see teachers out there. I see people in positions of authority. Um, and so is Jesus really telling us, get rid of all of that? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's a cautionary tale he's trying to tell us today. So again, how do we approach the scriptures? So we have to look at the time he's speaking, 2,000 years ago. We have to look at the, situational, uh, the situation that's going on there. We have to look at historically what's gone on in the Old Testament because if Jesus, as the Son of God, you know, the fulfillment of all the teachings— Right? He tells us in many other places, like, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And therefore, he gives us clarity to the commandments. Or 
You know, he says, only if you hate your father and mother and follow me, and yet he wants the unity of the family. So, so yeah, sometimes the way we understand, interpret what Jesus says can be confusing, but Jesus isn't ever saying contradictory things. So, we know that the world is not perfect. We know that being in the world, we are not perfect. And there is a cautionary tale of being a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a teacher, a doctor, a pro- like whatever that is, there's a cautionary tale for all of us, cautionary tale for myself, because we should not abuse those positions and titles. That's, that's a key lesson for us today, not to abuse what authority has been given to us. He even says at the beginning, before, before the, 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 the statements about calling no one anything, he does say, listen to them, but don't be like them. Right? Listen to what they're saying, but don't mimic their actions. Uh, if, you, if you don't know, like phylacteries and tassels, so uh, Orthodox Judaism, uh, the phylactery is this like square box they wear on the top of their head that's actually full of uh, scriptures. And so if, you, if you've ever seen Orthodox Jew praying, they do lots of bowing as they're praying, but they have these scriptures on their head, and that's the reminder that God's word is on their, on their mind. And then the, the tassels are the, the curls of the hair, and like the longer they are, the more wisdom they have, you know. Uh, it's, it's a cultural thing. So he's saying, like, don't make bigger phylacteries for yourself, like a giant box on your head, or get like super long tassels that go down on the ground. Like, don't do that. But yet, like, your role is important. So when we look at this, we know that Jesus, in the creation of the priesthood, um, desired for us to have an intimate encounter with God. That's why the priesthood exists, is so that we can actually encounter Christ. We can encounter God himself. We can have the sacraments. Because without the priesthood, the sacraments don't exist. Like, they're not possible. Uh, The Eucharist would not be conferred. Um, baptism, unless there's danger of death, wouldn't occur. Um, marriage, like marriage is a unique one because it's the, it's the spouses that make the marriage uh, through their consent, but you know, the, the minister of the church witnesses it on behalf of the church. Confession, who's going to forgive sins, right? There's no priest. So Jesus gives us this as a gift, and from that, a spiritual fatherhood. Paul in his letters writes about how priests are meant to be mediators between man and God. And in the catechism, it refers to the fact that everything that the priesthood of the old covenant prefigured, so the Levitical priesthood, um, finds its fulfillment in Christ Jesus, the one mediator between God and man. So we know Christ to be that one mediator. Priests are meant to be the tools of, of Jesus Christ to be that mediator, to be that, that hand, that example And in the sacrament of holy orders, it communicates a sacred power, which is none other than that of Christ. That what what occurs is nothing other than Christ acting through us. So the exercise of this authority must therefore be measured against the model of Christ, who by love made himself the least and the servant of all. So, yeah, what he's saying here, 
when, if, uh, if, if the rabbis, the, the teachers, the prophets, all these people, if they're trying to say, well, I'm more important than all of you, I deserve all of this attention and, and praise and everything, they're wrong. Because Christ himself models the fact that they're called to be the servants, to serve the people, to lift them up, not to be lifted up by them. So, yeah, this question, Catholics, why do you call your priest father? You're all crazy. Well, maybe we are, but why do we do this? Let's break it down in some simple ways. First of all, we've already established the fact that fatherhood and motherhood is very real. And who's going to deny a child calling their dad or their mom, mom or dad? Like, no one would do that. That's, that's absurd. And yet, if we reject that first premise, call no one on earth your father, we actually lose the ability to know God as father because the earthly father, for whatever pros or cons they possess, is meant to be an example of the heavenly father. So again, we know um, people are, are, are broken, that we are not perfect, that maybe we had a bad earthly father. Maybe we have a great earthly father. Maybe our earthly father has passed away. Maybe they're still alive. Whatever the case, that's the beginning example of having the ability to say we have a father in heaven because if my earthly father is awesome, how much more awesome is my heavenly father? If my earthly father is a total dud, at least I have a heavenly father who's not, right? So the concept of God's role as father would be meaningless if we obliterated the concept of the earthly fatherhood. That's the first piece. So we already have that as a, as a natural societal reality. But in the Bible, right, and let's use the Old Testament first at least, the concept of fatherhood's not restricted to earthly fathers or to God. Um, Joseph, in, in the beginning with Genesis, talks about how, it, uh, so it is not you who sent me here, but God, and he made and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph, you know, becomes this father to Pharaoh, this spiritual figure for him. Job also does this. He says, I was a father to the poor and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. So now we have Job explaining that he's a father to the less fortunate. And you might be saying, oh, that's just symbolic ideas. Okay, well, the reality is they said it. Right? And if scripture is without error, then there's some concepts that they're trying to portray there. So fatherhood could be, yeah, that of a wise counselor or a benefactor, right? But it also applies to have a spiritual relationship with one. So Elisha cries, my father, my father, to Elijah, right? So he's even acknowledging like, you are, you are like my father figure. So when we get to the New Testament, because that was all the old, then did Jesus change all of that? Did he, did he say, nope, we're going to get rid of all those things in the Old Testament? Well, that doesn't make sense either, because if Jesus is the Word, right, and the Word is God's Word, then um, that would be problematic. So, there's, there's many different reasons, like, the argument continues to, to falter. First, um, we see the imperative, call no man father, does not apply to biological fathers. We've got that. It also doesn't exclude calling one's ancestors fathers, right? So in, in the letter of Acts, in the book of Acts, 
Stephen refers to our father Abraham, and we hear that in Scripture. Um, or in Romans, Paul speaks of our father Isaac. So we talk about that, that historical fatherhood figure. Um, there are numerous examples in the New Testament where father is being used as a form of address and reference uh, for men who are not biological fathers, and I'll get to some of those in a second. But then, um, again, the context of Matthew 23. That's what we just heard. So if Jesus intended for these words to be understood literally, then why are there other sections of Scripture that we choose to take or not take literally? I like to point us all to John 6. Okay? The story of the Eucharist. Jesus says, take this. This is my body. Eat this. And in the Greek, he's talking about, like, chew on my flesh. And they hear that the first time, and they run away. This dude's crazy. I don't want to be a part of that. He says it a second time. More leave. And you got to be thinking, the disciples are like, Jesus, we just got all these people together. You're telling them to eat your flesh, and they're running away. Change it. And he says, no. Remember, Jesus stakes the entire salvation of the world on that teaching. Because if the disciples say, dude's, cu- dude's cuckoo, right? I'm out. Who's going to tell the story of salvation if the disciples are gone? If Jesus dies and everyone leaves him, who's going to carry it on? Who's going to live out the faith? Nobody. But they stay. So that is a very deep section that we say, well, this is the body and blood. And yet, we live in a world right now where 30% of Catholics say that's the true presence. And the rest of the world says, y'all are crazy. It's just a figure. It's just a symbol. It's just a gesture. And I say yet again, I did not become a a priest for a symbol. I became a priest for the body and blood of Christ. I became Catholic for the body and blood of Christ, not just an idea. So that's one area, right? They say some people want to take it literally, some people don't want to take it literally. Where else do we see that? Well, my other really favorite one has to deal with uh, if, uh, let me see if I find it real. Um, I put it on my next page. Ah. Uh, This is a good one. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown to hell. Everyone seems to have all their appendages. So, again, we're not taking that literally, and yet, Jesus says, if if things are causing you to sin, get rid of them. So why? Because he's using hyperbole. Right? We even know that in the other idea of like the idea of teacher, prophet, he says, like, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Paul speaks about his commission as a teacher. For I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. For this gospel, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. And so now we're getting into the New Testament, so some of the letters that are saying, actually, I'm a teacher. Paul, who is a, who is a persecutor of Christians who would have known about Jesus, who would have heard him say these things, if Paul is saying that, does that mean he's wrong, that he's changed what Jesus has said? No, it means that he understood the context of what Jesus said. Don't abuse your role as teacher. 
Don't abuse your role as prophet, as, as father. So, even in the world, right, let's take faith out of the picture for a second. People who are, are very fundamental in their, in their mindset, and they're like, yeah, you Christians, you call people priests, your father, you're crazy. Well, then you better not call anyone a doctor. Better not call anyone like a professor. You better not say to anyone Mr. or Mrs., why? Because Mr. and Mistress, Mr. and Mrs., comes from the word master, right? But I would never, ever in my life call Mr. Lauer Dave or Mrs. Lauer Debbie. Those are my best friend's parents growing up. I was never going to call them Dave or Debbie. That would have terrified me. And so this idea like, oh, we shouldn't call anyone anything, that just doesn't make sense. So the context, what does Jesus mean? Again, it's the hyperbole, it's the exaggeration. He's showing that the, the scribes and Pharisees, how sinful and proud they were looking for this position of authority and power. And that is something that needs to be checked. Uh, if, a, if a man wants to become a priest, he should not become a priest thinking, my life's going to be easy. My life is now easy street, cakewalk, everyone will just take care of me. Wrong. You become a priest to take care of others. You become a mom and a dad to take care of your children. You become a teacher to, to share knowledge. You become all these things in the world so that we can serve other people. And yet we know, again, people abuse this. People hurt people. And that's a problem. Clericalism is a huge problem. I, I am so grateful for the opportunities when I get to go out to eat and, you know, someone pays for that meal. Like, that's such a gift. I don't expect it. Sometimes I don't even want it. Sometimes I want to pay for the meal. Like, I want to pay for them. But we shouldn't expect, like, oh, here comes Father. Everyone clear the way. Like, no, like, that's, that's a bad mindset to have. And unfortunately, that existed, right? Jesus is also getting at, just historically, the fact that um, we don't want to develop cults of personality. So what must not be done is to confuse this form of spiritual paternity with that of God. Ultimately, God is the supreme protector. God is the ultimate provider. God is the absolute instructor. And so if, if we start to think, well, actually, Father knows best, that's not always true. We, we have a lot of studying, we do lots of things, like we have a pretty good stance, but I'm sure that there's probably things I've said that other priests have said, they're like, those don't seem to jive. So someone somewhere is inaccurate maybe. But yeah, this idea that we don't want to develop cult of personality. Like St. Bernard Parish shouldn't be Father Jay's parish. Like, okay, I'm the pastor, I'm responsible, but St. Bernard Parish is God's church. Right? We all just are here worshiping God. I'm called to help lead in that worship, but you can as well. You see, in that, in that time, uh, there, were, there were a lot of famous rabbinical leaders who were developing different schools, and, and people were making them into these like spiritual gurus. They were making them into like the, the holy of holies. And it's like, no, you're not God, so watch yourself. So he's not, Jesus is not forbidding um, the titles and all that, but he's calling them out to say, don't seek them for your own gain or gratification. You know, throughout the New Testament, some of those examples I was getting at, like, they refer to, um, Paul refers to Timothy as like a child. Um, 
Peter does the same thing. He, he refers to, to people as, as his spiritual children. And, and John even says, like, to the groups that he writes to, like, my little children. You know, we often will say brothers and sisters, right? Because we're all brothers and sisters through Jesus Christ under God the Father. So there's a spiritual relationship that exists between us. And there's, there's responsibilities that exist in the priesthood to care for the people of God. So if at all this you're like, you know what, I just don't think I want to call you father anymore, that's fine. You know what, you don't have to. I'm not going to be insulted by that. But I will say this. The first time I heard someone say father, it was extremely humbling. And it was an older individual, probably like my grandparents' age. And they said, oh, hi, father. And I was like, who are you talking to? Right? And so like, we have to know, like priests, we have to know like there's a great responsibility given to us that we don't take lightly. Being a father, being a spiritual father is such a gift. And I'm sure for, for those out there who have children, like the, when you found out you're going to be a mom or a dad, it probably just like shifted your whole heart. The same occurred in my ordination. Like it shifted my whole heart. Like I I just love the people I'm, I'm given to. And that's the thing, I'm given to you. I don't know how long we get to be with each other, but as long as I get to be with you, you get everything from me. Nothing gets held back. And if I hold something back, that's, that's a problem that I need to, to fix. And if you've had a, a situation in your life, so if you've encountered a priest or someone in religious life, a sister, a brother, or someone from another denomination that's a pastor or some situation like that, or any individual, a biological parent, someone who has hurt you, if that's happened in your life, on behalf of the church, I want to say sorry. Because that person, that individual, probably abused or did not fully grasp the responsibility they had. And that's wrong. And I am sorry if that's ever happened to you. But as a father, I will always do what's necessary for my children. I will laugh. I will cry. I will get a little upset at times. Because there's deep, deep love there. The last part that Jesus says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. For all of us, again, is this call to humble ourselves to allow ourselves to be under another's authority. And that's hard sometimes. Spouses, that's probably really hard to do that for each other. Uh, kids, sometimes that's not always the ideal thing with your parents. But yet we're all called to be humbled under God. I'm not God. I act in the person of Jesus Christ in the sacraments to bring God to you. I am not God, but I am a father. And a father who loves deeply and who loves hard. Like, when, when things don't go well, like, I feel that deeply. Uh, when people are hurt, or hurt and, and burdened, like, I feel that deeply. And at the same time, I have to give it all back to him. We all have to give it back to him. So thank you for letting me be a spiritual father. Thank you for letting me love you and all my kookiness and craziness. And thank you for, for loving me in my own failures, right? Because I am not perfect either. But we know what God has given us, 
we, we see that reality, we know that truth, and at the end of the day, uh, we humble ourselves to one who's greater, to one who, who knows us the best uh, and who loves us the most.